0: Amen. You may be seated. Turn with me in your Bible. You can stay seated while I read John 19, Gospel of John, chapter 19. Verse number 25, there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple... Behold your mother, and he's referring to John. And from that hour, that disciple, or John, took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now, A vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Verse 31, therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Now, it is in the 32nd verse that the scene shifts to quite a more severe, morbid setting. It is the crucifixion. It is the Roman execution of those whom they deem deem as guilty. And then when there wasn't sufficient means through the crucifixion for the accused to die, they would come and break the legs of those that were hanging on that cross so that there was not sufficient strength in their legs to hold them up, thereby assuring suffocation. And the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, verse 32, and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Quite graphic. He who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. Now I want you to stop here. And consider who is writing these words. John is writing these words. And he does not name himself, but he asserts that what he is writing is true. He who has seen has testified. That's his way of saying, I saw this. And his testimony is true. That's his way of saying, what I'm telling you is true. And he knows That he is telling the truth. That's his way of saying, I'm telling you the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Verse 36 and 37 referring to Old Testament scriptures. I sat in the examination room at the doctor's office a couple of years ago. And I had been feeling ill for a few days, and so I figured I might need to get that checked out. It was actually a few years ago because it was pre-COVID. When the doctor came in to me, he said, Mr. Gaddy, we need to see what's going on inside of you. So I'd like you to step over into the next waiting room And we will draw some blood. Now just that statement makes some of you squeamish. How many of you, real quick, you don't have to hold it up long, but how many of you just do not like needles? Quick, up and then down. Okay, good. See, very few people saw that. Mr. Gaddy, step over into this room and we will draw some blood. We will examine what we find in your blood, and we will call you to tell you what's going on. And then the doctor said this without warning to me, a preacher. Your blood will tell us what's going on. And as sick as I felt... I thought to myself, now that will preach right there. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, my dear doctor. By the way, my doctor is named Dr. Schatz. I think some of you go to Dr. Schatz. And he is aptly named. I found that to be true over the years. We'll examine your blood and we'll call you, Mr. Gaddy, because your blood will tell us what's going on. There are 369 verses in the Bible that contain its existence. We open up the sacred scriptures to just about page 2, and we will find Abel's blood being spilled as it is mentioned in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10. We don't go too much further, and we see blood from sacrificial animals being spilled on Old Testament altars. And then we go all the way through Scripture, all through 369 verses, and we get to the final few verses of the Bible on this subject, and we find... In Revelation chapter 14 and verse 20, that at some point in the future, blood will pool as high as the horse's bridle at the battle of Armageddon. 369 times the blood is mentioned in the scripture. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. You see, there is great power in our Bibles when we look at the Old Testament Scriptures And we look at it through the lens, not simply of a history book, but as a foreshadowing of things to come. I shared this in our track here in the sanctuary. The first two-thirds of our Bible are intended to be more than just something we casually peruse through and say things like, we don't eat like that anymore. We don't act like that anymore. We don't wear those things anymore. But rather, the first two-thirds of the Bible, though rich in history, are intended to point to something. That old covenant scripture is intended to point to a Messiah who would come one day. Every single sacrifice. Every drop of blood spilled under an Old Testament law was intended to do more than just soil the the ground upon that altar area, but rather point to a day when there would be a sacrifice of all sacrifices who Paul said once and for all would give his life, give his life on the cross so that you and I could be in a church service on a Sunday morning. We could feel the presence of the Lord, but we could do more than feel the presence of God. We could be set free from our guilt and delivered from our oppression and saved from our sins and washed in his blood. It is a great foreshadowing when the blood of an animal is mentioned in that old covenant. It's as if that arrow points to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Everybody say the blood. Blood. The blood is a subject that is introduced very early in the scripture. And we find, first of all, that the blood covers. I haven't said this for a long time, but I feel like I'm going to internally combust today. So it may happen in front of God and everybody. I feel a little preach in my spirit today. we got to understand something about this blood of which I preach. First of all, the Bible says that the blood covers. We go to the third chapter of the first book of the Bible, Genesis 3 and verse 21. For Adam and his wife. As for them, the Lord God made tunics of skins and clothed them. After mankind sinned, after mankind disobeyed God, he did not throw them out with the the rubbish pile. He didn't throw them out on the side of the street and say, you're done, you disobeyed, but rather this gracious, holy God said, I'm going to do something to provide a covering over your sin. I know that your sin has caused you shame. And you used to not be full of shame because you were naked, but now you recognize something has gone dreadfully wrong. But I'm not going to leave you in that state. I'm going to kill an animal, and I'm going to put those skins upon you. Why? Because the shedding of that blood is going to cover your shame. It's going to cover your nakedness. It's going to cover your fault. It's going to cover your mistake. It's going to cover your disobedience all oh, the same God that did that in the Old Testament still does that in the New Covenant I am so thankful that we can come to a gracious holy sovereign God on a Sunday morning we might have made mistakes we might have been disobedient we might have tripped up but there is a God not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance repentance I gotta preach it today the blood covers come on is there anybody in this house you're glad you're not the same way that he found you when you were guilty and disobedient and dirty and stained the blood covers the blood covers the blood covers That's why the Hebrew writer declared it in Hebrews 9 and 22. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. In other words, it takes the blood. Everybody shout it. Say the blood. blood. It takes the blood to cover what we cannot rub out on our own. The blood covers. The blood also atones. Now, this is not a word that we perhaps use a lot. We don't probably go around talking about atonement all the time. Uh, It's not a casual office word. You're probably not going to use it five or six times this week at the office. But atonement literally means to make amends for a wrong that has been done. To make amends for a wrong that has been done. The book of Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11, the Lord speaks to Moses and he instructs this, the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul and I feel in my spirit today like there is the same word echoing down the corridors of time to the year 2023 in Cabot, Arkansas, at a church on Commercial Street. I feel the word of the Lord for us today. And the Lord would say unto us, new life, guests, friends, new folks, I have given my blood for you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood, That maketh atonement for the soul. It is the blood that brings life. It is the blood that brings purging. It is the blood that brings cleansing. It is the blood that brings covering. It is the blood that brings remission. It is the blood that brings atonement. It pays the price. It pays the debt in full. Our atonement is not in me and it's not in you. It is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on. I I feel like somebody needs to take a trip in your mind back a few years not to 1950, not to 1900, but go back a lot further than that to a man from Galilee hanging on an old rugged cross, the devil thought he'd got him. The devil thought he had beaten him. The devil thought he had silenced his voice. But with every drop of blood, poof, Deliverance, healing, freedom, set free, born again, not in bondage, delivered in my mind, healed in my body, set free in my thinking. There's something about that blood. There is something about that blood that atones. Something about it. So you and I go from Old Testament scripture and we fast forward to the New Testament. After five or rather 400 years of silence, there is a prophetic man that walks out of the wilderness named John. And he has one very clear message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. This perhaps sounded a bit strange to those who had dutifully kept the law for centuries. Why? Because they were convinced that as long as you could just keep the law, everything was okay. And yet it was this strange man named John that shows up on the scene and introduces a term perhaps a little bit different than what they had thought about. It wasn't now just dutifully keeping of the law, but it was John who said, Turn around from your sins. Repent from your sins, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, I would have loved to be the proverbial fly on the wall that wonderful day when John is walking down the road And verse number 29 of John 1 begins to unfold. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, now let me stop here long enough to say, when Brother Odo was teaching our preaching classes in Bible college, he told us, he said, now when you read from the scripture, when you're preaching, if it has an exclamation point, you have to inflect your voice You have to say it like it reads. And so just so we're clear, I'm going to show you how John did not say it. The next day when John saw Jesus coming, he said, behold, Lamb of God takes away sins of the world. No. You want to know why? Because if you come up to me and say, hey, I got $10,000 I want to give you, I'm going to wonder if you're really serious about it. But I welcome this. If you want to come up to me today and say, Brother Gaddy, I got a check for $10,000. Let me get it out of my pocket. I am going to forget about everybody else, and I'm going to park myself right in front of you because your tone inflects your seriousness. And when John saw this man named Jesus walking toward him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Come on, New Life Church. He didn't say, Behold the Lamb of God that rolls them ahead, that touches them for 15 minutes. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes them away. Come on, I feel a shout coming up in my spirit right now. Anybody glad when Jesus touched you, he didn't roll your sins away, he washed them away. He didn't just touch you for a time, he washed our sins away. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's blood seen again. There's a foreshadowing of his death in that declaration. There's something about this man that would correlate with a a sacrificial system and his life would be sacrificed so that blood could be shed again, but this time, not so sins could be propelled forward. Not so sins could just be bumped forward, but this time, John said it would be for that which would take away the sin of the world. I have to preach it on Sunday morning. Because of Calvary, brother, you do not have to wake up every morning fearful that your sin is still on you. You do not have to go to bed every night fearful that that sin is going to separate you. Because of the cross of Calvary, we have an opportunity to do exactly what John said. Repent. Turn around from our sin. Realize that his blood is a and somebody can go to bed tonight and sleep like a baby because you confessed your sins and he who confesses his sins the one he confesses to the Lord is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness Hebrews said it in Hebrews 9 and 11 Christ came as a high priest of the good things that come not with the blood of goats and calves But with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? It is the blood of Jesus that even gives me the possibility to serve God. Let's praise him again right now. Come on, somebody help me praise him. Hallelujah. Come on, help me praise him. I'm not going to preach much longer, but there's a great spear of the Lord in this house. Thank you, Adam. There's a great spear of the Lord in this house. I must declare today that the blood of Jesus also gives us overcoming power. Power over every power of the enemy. Every assignment from hell, the blood of Jesus gives us overcoming power. Revelation 12 and 11, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We overcome Satan himself when we begin to testify personally to what the word of God says that the blood of Jesus does. For us, notice what I said. I didn't preach that we overcome Satan when we testify how bad we got it, but we overcome Satan according to the Word of God when we testify of what the Word says the blood of Jesus does for us. That means I need to get in that book and I need to find out what the book says about the blood of Jesus. And when the enemy, anybody tired of the enemy playing tricks on your mind? Anybody tired of him coming and saying you have no hope, you have no healing, you have no deliverance? No, we got to respond back to that and say, devil, let me remind you what the word of the Lord says. That once and for all, he died for my sins. Once and for all, he went to the cross of Calvary. Once and for all, he gave his life. I'm not coming begging. I'm coming claiming the power of Calvary and the shed blood of Jesus. We overcome. Everybody say, we overcome. When we begin to declare what that word says about what that blood provides for us. Amen now perhaps one of the most hallmark passages of all when we talk about the blood is exodus chapter number 12 and it's how i will finish my message this morning exodus chapter number 12 and verse number one and i specifically want to draw your attention and ask you to focus in on these verses right here because i believe that god in the next few minutes is going to allow as great as this service has been as great as the liberty we felt I believe God is going to let a demonstration of his presence fill this house. And I believe the power of God is going to rain down like a river on this house in just a moment. Exodus 12 and 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Now I'm going to confess something to you. As I was preparing this message, I did not choose to include this verse because it is the first month of the year. But it's cool how it fits. It's what you call an anointed, oh. Speak to all the congregation of Israel. Saying on the 10th of this month, now let me pause here long enough to say, when I was preparing this message to preach today, I did not intentionally choose to preach this message on the eighth day of the first month. God is my witness, scout's honor. But the Lord gave directive to his children on what to do on the 10th day of the first month so if you factor in the international date line today is the 10th that was a joke by the way on the 10th of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Here it is. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Now I want you to notice what has to happen here. They have to take a lamb without blemish and kill the lamb, consume the lamb, but take the blood. You can't spill the blood. you got to get it in a basin. And then the men of the house are to take that blood from that spotless sacrifice and paint the sides of the door and the top of the door. Apply the blood to the doorposts And the lentil and then the Lord says in verse number 12 for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment I am the Lord watch this next verse now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. I want you to notice something. Please hear me. Those of you that read that with me and you think, wow, we don't do that today. No, we don't kill animals today. But remember, everything in that Old Testament points to something in the New Testament. Everything in that Old Covenant is designed to point to something in a New Covenant. When it talks about killing a lamb, it is foreshadowing Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, going to a cross, sacrificing his life for our redemption. And then they were instructed, the men of the house... To make sure you take that blood and paint the side of that door and the top of that door. Don't put it on the floor. Don't walk on the blood. But put it on the sides of the door and the top of the door. Why? Because judgment is coming. And when judgment comes, there's going to be one thing that stands between you and the judgment. It's not going to be your charisma. It's not going to be your last name. It's not going to be your church attendance. It's going to be whether the blood was applied to your house. And so I feel incumbent in my spirit to preach it on this Sunday morning. You and I can rejoice today because judgment is coming on this world. But when he comes in judgment, he's going to be looking for one thing. Have I taken his blood that was shed on the old rugged cross and have I by faith applied it to my life? When I see the blood when I see the blood when I see the blood I will pass I will pass over you how many are glad about that today how many feel a little bit of that power of the blood of Jesus rising up in your spirit I want it on my life. I want it applied to my life. I want to be buried in his name. I want to have that blood applied to me. Here's what I want us to do. It was a responsibility of every male in the house to put that blood on the doorpost. I wish all the men in the house would stand right now. There's something about when a man, I'm I'm not preaching sexism right now. I'm talking about divine order. I'm talking about when a man lifts up his voice and says, Lord, I'm going to remind you of what your word says about that blood and what that blood can do for my family and what that blood can do for my church and what that blood can do for my my youth group and what that blood can do for my kids. There's something about the blood of Jesus. Come on, I wish just for a few sacred moments the men in this house would begin to lift up your voice and say, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. I plead the blood of Jesus over my home. I plead the blood of Jesus over my grandkids right now. I plead the blood of Jesus... I plead the blood of Jesus.